they, and they would do another song and then there would be, you know, somebody would give a testimony and somewhere along that line of that very complicated, uh, service order, um, it was my job to lead the, the, uh, the doxology <clears throat> and being an old charismatic Pentecostal kid, uh, <clears throat> I mean, for some people, that's second nature to them, but not so much for me. So in the course of preparing my my music for the Sunday, I failed to remember that I was in charge of leading the doxology. So in the first service, Brandon and I had finished the song, and then I was I was done. I was feeling pretty good about myself. That song went really well. And the pastor's sitting over on the side looking at me like, he's looking at me like I'm supposed to be doing something right now. And I'm like, that's it. I got no more music, man. He's like, the doxology. And my mind went completely blank. I forgot what the doxology was. I forgot the melody. I forgot the lyrics. I was like, Brandon, do you know the doxology? And he just shrugged at me. And so the pastor has to jump up from, from the, his, his seat and, and lead the congregation. They did, we did an acapella and it was a, it was a real sweet, funny moment. But needless to say, my face turned red. I was embarrassed and, but they were very gracious. And now it's just a joke that they're going to be telling in the, the life of their church. But I got it in second service though. So, you know, if you give me a, a second shot at something, I will typically get it right. So uh, so why don't we pray together? Man, worship was amazing this morning, wasn't it? Man, come on. Thank you, Lord. I just want to tell you, um, this guy right here, Brandon Berg, he's one of our worship leaders. He's a, one of our main guitar players. He is right smack dab in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign. He's funding a new album. We don't do this for everybody, but Brandon is like a really important part of what we're doing here, and he's sowed a lot of his time and energy into what we're doing at Queen City Worship. So if you get a chance and you want to take a look at what he's up to, go to his Kickstarter page. You can find him on Facebook. There's a lot of different ways you can find him, but see if you want to give into that. But anyways, that's the only announcement I've got this morning. So why don't, let's pray together and let's ask the Lord to help me help you. Amen. Let's do that. We, I need a lot of help for that, right? Father, we thank you for your graciousness. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that we don't have to come to this place every week and go through the motions, but we can interact with the spirit of God that you have given to us, Father. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that was poured out to lead us, to comfort us, to correct us, and to put us on the path of righteousness, Father. We thank you that you designed us and created us to live by faith faith and that your spirit is leading us into that place and all God's people said amen well we're on our uh, old testament journey and I've uh, I have been given the task to preach today through the book of Joshua and in in preparing for this message a funny thing happened I I went from kind of like teaching mode and teaching the story and the lessons out of the life of Joshua to the Lord really dealing with me in my own life. So that's kind of a different thing. You know, sometimes you preach and you're reading the word and, and you, you're, the Lord is giving you things to give to other people. But sometimes when you're reading the word, when you're studying the word, when you're submitting yourself to the word, the Lord does something else. He starts speaking to you. The Lord sometimes wants to deal with you. You know, it is not a safe assumption to think that you already have it all figured out and you don't need anything else. The truth is that you're probably not where you're going to end up someday. And you need help to get from where you are to where you're going to be. Because the goal isn't to lose ground. The goal is to gain ground. The goal isn't to lose ground in your faith. The goal is to gain ground in your faith. The goal isn't to walk farther away from the Lord himself. The goal is to walk closer to the Lord himself. Amen. Who's with me? I don't know about you, but I know I've said this before from this stage, but I've had some seasons recently where that wasn't always the case for me. I felt like I was losing ground. 
I felt like I was maybe just treading water. Maybe I wasn't losing ground, but I wasn't going forward. I wasn't growing in the strength of my heart. I was actually growing faint in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit, where I used to have strength. I felt like a, a real void and a real lack. And to correlate that with the book of Joshua, um, it's, it's really interesting. There's a lot of cool Sunday school stories that happen in the book of Joshua. Many of you know the story of how the walls of Jericho came down when the children of Israel marched around it seven times and they shouted their praise and, and the Lord brought down the walls of this fortified city and removed the enemy and took the enemy out of the land that rightly belonged to the children of God. You know that story. And so I'm reading through this. this uh, I, I start in, I'm actually starting in Numbers, and then I go all the way through the book of Joshua, and then I actually end up into the book of Judges, which is a real interesting place. And we're going to get there next in the next couple weeks. But um, I came across this thing that I had really never seen before. And... Before you get to Joshua, you have to end with Moses. So we know the story about Moses. He was a deliverer raised up to bring the people of God out of the empire of Egypt where they had been enslaved for 400 years. And so they get out of Egypt and they go into the, the, the wilderness for a while. And it was supposed to be a shorter journey, but it turned into a really long journey. It turned into a 40-year journey. But the reason why that wilderness wandering went from being just a short season to an entire generation of wandering is because one really important thing happened. The children of Israel were told to go look at the land. Moses sent 12 spies, 12 men, one from each tribe of the children, tribes of Israel. He told those 12 to go spend 40 days in the land that they were going to be given by God and see what was going on there. And an interesting thing happened. The 12 spies come back out of the land that they were, had been in for 40 days and they all had a similar report. This place is amazing. The place that God has prepared for us is amazing. The grapes are huge. There's pomegranates everywhere. There's orchards. There's vineyards. There's fields of wheat. Everything that a, a, a people could need to feed themselves was there. But there's this one big issue. There's giants in the land. And 10 of those 12 spies, they came back with a report of fear and anxiety. And they spoke to the people and they said, we can't do this. This isn't really our inheritance. This doesn't belong to us. God can't possibly know what he's talking about. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness, Moses? But there were two people who had an opposite report. There was two men, Joshua and Caleb. And they came back and they said this, the land is amazing. The inheritance is ours. If God is with us, we can defeat every foe, every enemy within this promised land, and we can make it our own. And, it's, and the scripture says in the, in the book of Numbers that the people were so afraid, they were so discouraged by this positive report that Caleb and Joshua uh, brought that they actually picked up stones and they were preparing to kill them. You know, sometimes people are so afraid, they're so, they're so bound up with anxiety that if you come with a positive word, they'll hate you for it. It's an interesting dynamic how that works. I mean, sometimes I think when I'm full of faith and I've got a lot of good positive traction going on in my life, all I need to do is walk into a room and everybody will stand up and applause and agree with me. But that's not really the case. Sometimes you go somewhere with the word of the Lord. Some people will, will receive it, but other people will hate what you're saying. And I, I, I had this thing happen to me this week as I was kind of meditating on this 
the Lord said this thing to me. He said, Andy, you can cultivate your heart to have a yes in it, or you can cultivate your heart to have a no in it. And I was like, what does that mean, Lord? He's like, well, you're always looking on the outside for things, for my signs and wonders, my Holy Spirit to move. But really, where the true battle is won or lost is in your heart. And it's on you to cultivate the inside. I, I, was, I was reproofed. I was rebuked. I, was, I, I had nothing to argue with the Lord about at that point. But I knew, I knew the Lord was leading me somewhere. And so I began to read through this book and I realized this thing. And this is where it's going to get real personal this, this morning for me. I realized that the book of Joshua is about the people of God inheriting their inheritance. It's a story about how the people of God came into or were going to come into the things that God had been cultivating for them for generations. And they came to the place where this was the moment that God was going to fulfill the promise that he gave to Abraham hundreds of, year, hundreds of years previous. And we had ta- we've talked about this in this series that, that the story of God began with Abraham and these people were very familiar with this story. They knew from the very beginning of their, their nationhood that began with Abraham that they knew that a day would come when they would receive an inheritance of land from the Lord so that they could be a nation. They could be an alternative society among the nations as the people who were the people of Yahweh. And they got to that point and they held back in fear. Gosh, I'm totally off my notes. So sorry. So, so we see in the Bible, we see in the Old Testament book of Joshua, that the Lord had this thing prepared for his people. And here's the truth. The Lord has something prepared for you and me. The Lord has probably already given you pieces of that thing. Depending on what point of your life that you're in, the Lord has already allowed you to taste the goodness of that land, that land of milk and honey. And so here, here's my story. This is how my story goes. When I was young, when I was a teenager, I, well, I grew up in the church. Uh, my, my parents were divorced, so sometimes I was with one parent who wasn't necessarily you know, uh, active church goer, but I was with another parent who was, and I was a little kid and I would be in these, these meetings and I didn't really understand what was happening in the meetings, but I could feel in my heart, the spirit of God. I couldn't articulate to you what was going on, but there was a reality that I understood, even though I couldn't tell you what, what it was. And it got me hungry. And looking back on it, I realized that the Lord was planting seeds in my mind and in my heart, even as a young child. And then when I became a teenager, I was, you know, I was like normal teenager, dumb, rebellious. You know, you're, when you're young, there's just, there's just not a lot you can do with your life. You know, you're just kind of stumbling through, making bad choices, making an occasional good choice. But the Lord is so gracious and he brings you into these pl- places where you experience him. And, and, and it's like, oh, okay. So, so the Lord led me along into young adulthood. And, and in my early 20s, I began going to these, uh, these meetings where, man, well, I guess this was in the mid-90s, early 90s. And, and the Spirit of God was just moving all over the world. Like there was just an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was kind of worldwide. And, and, and the, the, the Holy Spirit was manifesting himself in the most amazing ways. And I remember this one time, Amy and I, uh, some friends took us over to their house. We were probably 21 or 22 years old. And, and this was back when uh, Bra- the Brownsville Revival was going on, and they would send out these 
cassette tapes or these VHS, VCR tapes all over the world. They would film their meetings and, and these tapes would go over and then revival would break out in all these churches. And these people, they, they say, hey, you got to see this. This is really funky. So they, they put on this video and there's this, this church service and all these people are falling down and crying and the band is screaming. And, and, and the first words out of my mouth were, that cannot be God. Because I had never seen anything like that. But, but my, my mind said that cannot be God because it was something I had never experienced before. But my heart said, but maybe this is God. And so I began this journey with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, and I began to experience his glory. And once I began to experience the glory of the Lord, like the manifest glory of the Lord in my life, it was like I was ruined, man. I was ruined for everything else. I didn't want to go to church anymore where people were just going through the motions of going to the church because I, I had received this thing. The Lord had given me something that was so good. It was, it was like a reality of knowing him versus reading scriptures about him. I was like, God, I've tasted and I've seen that you're good. I, don't make me go back to the place where I just have to hear stories about you. And so through all of that, I got tricked and the Lord tricked me into ministry. <laughs> and so Amy and I, at some point, we like, we left California where we were originally from. We left our family. We left Everything that we knew, we had like $2,000 in our pocket, and we got in this, this 1983 Cadillac sedan, Seville. It was purple, and Savannah and Natalie were just, Nat, Savannah was two, and Natalie was two months, and we drove all the way across the country, and we landed at three o'clock on Sunday morning on January 18th, 1999, and I drove straight to Morningstar, and I got into the three o'clock service at Morningstar. You guys remember the three o'clock service at Morningstar? Man, I, my mind was blown. I walk in there, Amy and I, we've got the kids and Susie Yare's up there prophesying about, um, about, uh, like, like Abraham, you've got to go leave your family and you got to move to another country, you know, and me and Amy are looking at each other like, this is crazy. This is, you know, so, so the Lord will trick you. He'll, he'll bring you into these places that you least expected, but, but like in your heart, in your heart, it's the best thing. It's the best thing when you're following the Lord, when you're going after his glory, when you're pursuing the things that he's invested in your heart, it is the best thing. And man, we had so many good years. We had so many like rich and fruitful years of, of being poor and following the Lord anyways. How many of you have ever experienced that where like you had no money, but following Jesus was so fun, like you just couldn't get enough of it, right? And then somewhere along the line, life comes at you, things happen, and, and you lose, you lose that sense of what you had previously. Like you feel like you've lost ground. You feel like you were living in a promised land and now all of a sudden you're back out in the wilderness. And when you have that experience, here's the thing that we do oftentimes. We say this, well, the Lord must not be moving anymore. The Lord must be doing a different thing now. And I realized this thing. If I'm really honest with myself, if I'm really telling myself the truth, it's not that God stopped moving. It's that I stopped listening to him when he told me to do something. It's not that God stopped moving. It's that I traded the goodness of God for the goodness of my everyday life. Let me read the scripture to you. You know, when the Lord rebukes you, it can feel hard. But the thing is, it's really a sweet thing. It really is. There's that scripture. I forget where it is, but there's a scripture that says that uh, discipline seems painful. But it will eventually yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And 
if you're experiencing the discipline of the Lord in your life, you should be thankful because it means you're a son. It means you're a daughter. It means that the Lord is trying to get your attention because he's trying to bring you back to the goodness of his glory. So there's the scripture in 2 Timothy. Let me look it up. I thought I wrote it down, but it's 2 Timothy 3. If you have your Bibles, I know this is nowhere near Joshua, but, but, but bear with me. Are you all okay? Is this okay? Okay. So, so I was, I was in my quiet time. I was reading the scripture and this is Paul and he's saying, he's writing this to Timothy and he says this thing. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They will be boasters. They will be proud. They will be blasphemers. They will be disobedient to parents. They'll be unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, Slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people we should turn away. But how often do we read a scripture and we see everybody else in the scripture when the Lord is trying to show us the thing. And I was so struck because I realized when I got to this point, when I, when I read the, the part, it said, uh, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I realized, you know, this, this entire list is really strong. I wouldn't say that any of these are like full-blown manifestations in my life. But man, there's degrees of these things. There's degrees of these things that the Lord wants to deal with in me because he has an inheritance that he wants to bring me into that I can't yet handle until I deal with these things. And so here's the correlation with the book of Joshua. God is bringing his people into his inheritance for them. But he's not Santa Claus. He doesn't just wave his magic wand and go, here, everybody, here's your thing. Here's the beautiful thing about being a human being. He created you to have something to do. Did you know if all of your problems were gone out of your life, you would be absolutely bored? No, that's true. If you didn't have something to enact your faith towards, you would be a miserable mess. God gave his people the promised land filled with giants and filled with enemy nations because he had put inside them the ability to lay hold of the promises that he had spoken over them. And it wasn't enough for him to just deliver them on a silver platter. But he's like, here's what we get to do. We get to do this together. Because it's much better to do something with God than to do something for God. The church is filled with people who are compelled that they have to do things for God, serve God this way or that way so they can get to heaven. And that's never been the case. God's heart has always been to walk with you and to do things for, with you, to co-labor, to participate. I forget the scripture, but there's something about, um, it's translated wrongly. It's, it's that we, we have faith in the son of God, but the right translation is we have the faith of the son of God. Like Galatians 2.20. The thing about you and me is we are in communion and we're going to take communion a little, little bit, but we're already in full communion with the Lord. We, already, we are already in oneness with him. 
So our journey isn't to get to him. Our journey is to realize that we're already fully in him, to believe that and to start walking with him. So I realized this. You know, we, we have to read the book of Joshua with New Testament eyes, right? We don't go around looking at people as the enemies anymore, right? They had that. That was their job at that time. There were people in their land that didn't want to leave, and so they had to go forcefully remove them. But for us, there are giants in the land. There are things that are living in our hearts, in our minds, that unless we deal with them, we will not partake we will not participate in that good land of milk and honey and it's not because god is trying to keep things from us it's just that man these things are real you know if you just got up in the morning every day and you could just go about your business and just do whatever you wanted and you know there was there was nothing to work against i don't know Maybe it would be easier, but I, I feel like that's the way I operate a lot of the time. But the Bible says that the devil is going around like a roaring lion, seeking who, who he may destroy. We have an adversary. We have somebody who is coming against us. There are opposite voices of the Lord's voice. And so this is the beautiful part of this. The Lord has not left us without power. <laughs> Second Peter says that we have everything that we need right now to fulfill all the works of righteousness. But, but where I've let the enemy into my life, where I have given up ground, I need to actively take that back. So maybe there's an area in my life where I've just kind of like put it into neutral and I've started like... Um, aligning my entire life around just seeking pleasure. And I'm not even talking about sinful pleasure. I mean, that's obvious, like drugs, sex outside of marriage, you know, all, all of the normal pitfalls that people fall into. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, are you building your life upon the Lord himself? Are you risking the things that you hold dear for an active walk of faith? Have you tasted the glory in the past and are wondering where it is now and you think that the Lord has a problem, but really the problem is in you and I? I, I really don't mean this to come across heavy and I hope it's not. But I was thinking about this this week how I've made the mistake of thinking that my best days with the Lord are behind me. And I started planning the rest of my life accordingly. Isn't that weird how you can do that? Like you can think that your best days with the Lord have come and gone. And so you start planning for retirements. Right? You start like, you start, you start like get, playing it safe. You start building everything that you can to like, you know, I don't know, not have to take a risk anymore in your life. But I think this, I think that we get the breakthrough when we step out and take the risk. If you've got something that you feel like you're running up against the wall against, it's probably because you haven't cast your bread upon the water. It's probably because you haven't gotten out of the boat and started walking on the water. It's probably because you went over and looked at the edge of the promised land and you said to yourself, that stuff I just can't deal with. I'm going to go back over here and wander in the desert for a few more years and just hope for the best. And maybe the Lord will move again someday. Oh, can't wait. And the Lord's saying, that's your inheritance over there. I put a sword in your hand. Go kill that giant and feast on that orchard. Yeah. 
Am I talking too much? I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can never tell. I can never gauge. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so hard. I don't even know where I am anymore. Well, don't hold it against me if I don't read any scriptures out of Joshua today, okay? (laughs) I told you it was going to be a little messy, but, um, I just, I just want us, I'm giving myself to the Lord. I know not, not everybody has the same calling as I do. I'm not saying everybody has to go into the ministry. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you to quit your job. Please don't do that. The stuff I'm talking about is all here. It's all here. It's how are you approaching the Lord here? And, but for me, there is, there is an application to it. And I, and I think I shared a little bit about this last time that I, that I was speaking, but I realized that I've got so much. Well, first of all, the Lord has invested something in me that's precious the Lord has put something in you that's absolutely precious. And, a, and a, a mistake that we make a lot of the times is that we, we devalue the thing that the Lord has done for us. We diminish the thing that the Lord has given to us. In our minds, we say it's not a big deal. It's a big deal, guys. The thing the Lord has invested inside of you is precious. It's not only precious for you, but it's, it's precious for the world around you. And if you bury that thing, if you say it's no good, if you say that the world doesn't need it, then you're causing many people to go hungry. Because the thing is, if you go in to the promised land, and you deal with those enemies, and you take the inheritance that rightly belongs to you, it's not just for you, it's for your family, and it's actually for nations. It actually matters that you come into the fullness of what God has invested in you. And I'm, for me personally, I've realized this, like I've been coasting, I've been coasting for a good season of my life and I've been wondering why am I so unhappy? Why am I so miserable? And it's because I have traded my inheritance for something else. Somebody talked me out of the thing that God was trying to get to me. Somebody talked me out of that thing and said, yeah, that thing that the Lord is doing, that's okay. But man, is it really sustainable? It looks like it's causing you a lot of problems. It looks weird. The thing that the Lord really wants to do, it's so inconvenient. It's weird. People are falling on the floor. People are singing loudly. People are, you know, like, it's not always not messy But the thing is, is that that thing is way better than me living my life of pleasure over here. Because this is all about me. This is so self-focused. And the truth is, you and I were not wired to be selfish. The truth is, you and I are wired to lay down our lives for one another. You and I are wired for righteousness. We're hardwired for this. God created you for this. God created you to deal with those things in your life that are messing you up. And of course, he will help you with the Holy Spirit. Of course, all of this is hinging upon the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we have to cultivate that yes and amen in our hearts so that we can access the things that the Lord is giving us to help us win those battles. Amen? Some of you are saying amen and some of you have a glazed look over your face. That's okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, you guys. Man, let me read this to you. This is, this is Caleb at the report 
that first report of the promised land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak, the giants there. The Amalekites lived in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, We should go up and take possession of this land, for we can certainly do it. We can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up to him and said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And then it says the people rebel. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly and gathered them there. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. And they said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I'll tell you this. In the last five years of my life, I've dealt with more fear and anxiety than ever before in my life. And and that's not normal for me. Like, I'm not... I'm not a nervous person. I, I'm, I was raised by confident parents and they were, they were instilling confidence in me from a very early age. But I was taking some stock of my life recently and I realized this, that when I stopped progressing into the promised land, when I stopped progressing into the promises of God, when I stopped progressing into my rightful inheritance, I didn't just stay at that point. I regressed into fear. I regressed into anxiety because I'm not created to move stagnantly, to stay in one place. I'm actually created for forward movements. And when I recognized that, I just, I repented. I was like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I have not cultivated my heart to be in agreement with you over the things that I can have in my life. I've not been in agreement with the blessings that you want to pour out on me. You know, if you, if you're not drinking from the rivers of God, I promise you, you will look to inebriate in other ways. And this is not, this is not a sermon against alcohol because Amy and I, we partake. But I'm telling you this, it can be an idol in your life and you can elevate it over God moving in your life. And you can be wondering why God's not moving and it's for no other reason than he doesn't have your attention. So I've had to repent. I've had to take stock. I've had to realize that there have been some enemies in my promised land and it's time for me to do something about it because like Caleb said, certainly we can do this. Who's with me this morning? Am I making sense this morning? Okay. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do, we're going to, we are going to take communion today. It's going to be really good. 
You know what I love about being part of a spirit-filled church is you can do something like communion and it can be so powerful because the Lord is here with us. It's, it's going to be good. So I'm going to ask Tanner and May Fink to come forward. And actually, Denny, I need to get, the, we got a mic up here. We got a mic. You guys come forward and then get your, um, we'll get your uh, servers up here. And we're going to take communion together. And and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna give this over to Tanner and May because they've got some things that they're gonna probably release and share. But I would like us to be. Um, oh, sorry, well, the Lord deals with each of us differently. He deals with us in different ways. But while we're taking communion, here's what I would like you to think about. I would like you to think about ground that you've lost. Maybe there's things that you have uh, just given up on. And maybe this morning the Lord has begun to reawaken your heart and you feel that spark towards those things again. There's no better place than the communion table to kind of just start anew, start fresh, repent, get your mind transformed again. You know, it's not a long distance. It's not a long ways to getting right with the Lord. Amen? Amen. It's so simple. It's so easy. It's just like a turning of a degree. And you can be instantly right back in the middle of what God is doing in your life. You don't even have to feel bad about the years you've wasted. That's the wonderful thing. I don't have to sit around like wallowing in regret of things that I've done wrong or bad choices that I've made. I can just pick up and I can do the right thing and move on. Amen. All right, Mr. Tanner, where are you at? You guys got it? Yeah, May. Um, uh, first, I'll just, before we start to pray, I'll just give quick instructions. Um, over at the far left, or your left, um, that's going to be juice and gluten-free bread. Um, and then the other three stations are going to be phenomenal sourdough bread that Tanner made. Sorry, he was probably embarrassed I said that. And um, wine. So come and take the bread, dip it in the wine, and you can take it on your own. Um, you can either go back to the seat or you can do it here, wherever you need to meet with the Lord. Um, so if you guys want to stand up, we'll pray. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Just really been feeling the thankfulness of the Lord the last few weeks. Just the thankfulness that he invited us to do this, like Andy said, he made us to commune with him and he invited us and, and he, he created us to say, I want you to partner with me. I want you to run with me. And he's not going to leave us. He doesn't put dreams in our hearts to dangle them in front of us and take them away. Like the Lord gave us dreams so that we can run with them, run with him and have those dreams fulfilled. So we just say, Jesus, Thank you for these dreams. Thank you for picking us up. Thank you for choosing me and saying, May, I want to run with you. I want you to run with me. I am so happy with you. The Lord is so happy with you. Jesus, you are so good. We say thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your blood. We say, Jesus, we want more of you. Holy Spirit, we want more of you. There's nothing we can do without you. We can't go on without you. We look at our lives and we say we repent for what we need to repent for, for looking to the other ways. But Jesus, we want you. We need you. We are thankful for you. You are so good. Sure. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We just want you, Lord. Mm. You guys, the Lord is so good. He is so here. He's, he's so present and waiting for our yes. Can we just say yes to the Lord right now? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. 
Yes, God, those dreams that we've forgotten. Yes, Lord, Holy Spirit, yes. We want you to move freely here. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus, if you guys want to come um, out of your seats, there's no rhyme or reason when you're ready and just come take the bread and the wine. ministry uh, teams up here and we want to just invite those folks up, folks that are praying this morning um, just to come up to the right here and then uh, for those of you who maybe want to respond to the message this morning in any way, maybe you want to 
just come to the altar and just deal with the Lord on some things. Oh, Tanner. So, um, I don't know if it's because it's like kind of cold in here or what, but I was thinking about people who have hypothermia. They're like, they're not rushed into like a nice hot tub and just like trying to warm their bodies up like right away. It's like a slow process of moving into the warmth or even people who are like dying of thirst in the desert. It's best that they not just like find a jug of water and, and just like go for it and, and drink and drink and drink. But I think, I think that we put too much thought in how we need to respond to the Holy Spirit. I think, I think we put too much thought in how we need to respond to the Holy Spirit and just trust Him. I think all of the disqualifications that we think we might have during the day today or during the message or during the past few years of our lives, the Holy Spirit knows what He's doing. And this is a, it's an example of the price that was paid for us to have complete communion with the Holy Spirit and to live in the moment of live the life of communion with the Holy Spirit, trusting in Him that He's no, He knows what He's doing. And to not overcomplicate things because we're pretty good at that. I'm, I'm really good at overcomplicating things, but the Lord is just so good. The Holy Spirit is so good. So before we go off into the day, let the Holy Spirit have, have the time that He deserves to just like prove Himself to you that He knows what He's doing. I don't really need to add to that. Why don't we stand up together and we'll, we'll be dismissed. And let, let me just read this over you as you go. If you, if you want prayer, our folks are up here. Don't be shy. They would love to pray with you, pray over you, pray for you, whatever you need. Um, and then like Tanner said, just as you go this week, just let, let the Holy Spirit have access to your life. But um, the angel of the Lord, of the army of the Lord meets with Joshua in chapter one of the book. And he tells him three times, don't be afraid, have courage. Don't be afraid, have courage. And then he does it a fourth time. And I think the fourth time, he says it in the best way. So this is what I'm going to read over you. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. Have a great week.